Well, I don't know if this was intentional or if it just fell this way, but pastor gave us a doozy for the next two weeks. Um, We're going to be talking about mental health, suicide prevention, and suicide itself. There's no need or no room for Todd and I to be comical or funny about this one. This is very serious. This is something that plagues our country and our world significantly today. And we just both, we, we talked about this, we just both want to make a disclaimer up front. First of all, neither one of us are preachers, you know that. Second of all, neither Todd nor I have any experience or expertise in dealing with mental health, with dealing with suicide, anything like that. So anything you hear from us today are coming from pastors that have studied this and basically from the Holy Spirit who's giving us the things to say today. Okay, um, It's an epidemic that's running wild through our world. If you look around and you see that suicide does not discriminate by age, it doesn't discriminate by gender, by race, by economic demographics, anything like this. Some of the statistics I ran across when I was looking at this. Second leading cause of death, second leading cause of death in children age five to young adults age 24 is suicide. The mere fact that we have a suicide issue with children that are five, six, seven, eight years old is absolutely alarming and appalling to me. It shows what we are living in in this world. And as I said earlier, the devil's not letting up. He is going at us full force, and he's going at our children, it seems, more than ever. 8% um, of 9- to 10-year-olds that were surveyed report having suicidal thoughts. Let that one sink in for a minute. In their lifetime, one in five people will have some kind of suicidal thought during their life. One of 14 people will self-harm themselves in their lifetime. This tells you, this is serious. This is something that we need to address. We need to have the discussions. We need to start the conversations in helping people find the help that they need. Again, we're not here to sit and say that, hey, you just need to pray it up, a little more Jesus, and everything's gonna be fine. We're not that foolish to think it's that simple. We have people in our own family that have dealt with suicidal issues. And they are the strongest, faithful churchgoers you'd ever want to meet. Mental illness, like I said, doesn't discriminate. It's not just for the ungodly and the unchurched. Let's remember that as well, okay? We all have these struggles. Here's the other one that, that a lot of you probably have heard and are aware about there. Active duty military and veterans, 30,000 of these people have committed suicide since 9-11. 20 years. Do you know how many of those people that were active duty in that time perished during the war? 7,000. And yet we've lost 30,000 at their own hands. Um, It's touched my life, and this one is still hard to talk about. I was 
I don't know, 12, 13 years old, seventh grade, when I found out my best friend's father had taken his life. Spent the whole night with Jimmy in his bedroom, him telling me all the things he and his dad used to do. And I remember that night like it was yesterday. There's one day I remember even more. Two years later, finding out from friends that Jimmy had done the same thing. It still hurts. He was one of my best friends ever. How can a kid that's a freshman in high school feel that lost, that hopeless, that there's, there's no room to look up? And yet that's what we deal with in this life. Hopefully a lot of us, many of us, will never understand that kind of despair. But for those of you who do, we want you to know there's a place to find hope. Um, some of you were here a few months ago when Pastor Jeremy Maddock was here preaching our sermon. We have a video from Pastor Jeremy today that is part of uh, what our synod calls the Grace Talks. These are devotional thoughts that come out every morning. Um, this was one of the most powerful I ever remember seeing. So we're going we're gonna to use this video as kind of our sermon message this morning, and then Todd will be up in a few minutes, and we'll kind of talk about things at the end and recap what's going on. But I just ask you to pay attention, listen close to what he has to say. Okay. You know what happens every 1.6 seconds, roughly? So 1.6 seconds, that's not a lot. That's... I don't know if that's exactly 1.6 seconds, but it's probably pretty close. So once every 40 seconds, somebody around the world dies by suicide. Once every 40 seconds. But there are roughly 25 suicide attempts for every successful suicide, which means that there is a suicide attempt every 1.6 seconds just now. Now, 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 and it'll keep going. That's a lot of people in the world every day feeling like there's not a lot of hope, feeling like whatever's going on in their life that's causing them to stress can't really change. I have a counselor friend who has said that really there are only two types of problems that we have in our lives. There are Play-Doh problems and there are rock problems. <laughs> and, and what she meant by that is that, you know, Play-Doh is something that you can, you can mold, you can change. And so there are problems in your life that you have the ability to do something about. You can change it, you can mash it, you can mix it, you can make it look, you can make it look different. And I'm not going to talk about those types of problems because if you have a Play-Doh problem, then, well, then just go ahead and change it because you have the ability to. But there are a lot of problems that are rock problems. And of course, if you take a rock, you can't mold it. You can't change it. It is what it is. And there are a lot of those problems. And those are the ones that I'm going to talk about today, the rocks. And if you're in a rock situation, something that's really hard that you can't change, I want you to, I want you to think about Joseph in the Bible. Because he was in a lot of those situations. He couldn't change the fact that his brothers hated him. He couldn't change the fact that his brothers sold him. He couldn't change the fact that he had been ripped away from his father. He couldn't change the fact that despite his best efforts, People kept forgetting about him and neglecting him and throwing him in prison and that bad thing after bad thing after bad thing after bad thing was happening. Even though he was doing good, he couldn't change all these bad things. He also didn't see coming at the end after God had elevated him to the second highest position in 
all of Egypt, basically the entire world. He couldn't see the day coming when his brothers who sold him would walk in many, many years later. And after his brothers realized who it was that was standing in front of them, the brother that they had hated, the brother that they had sold, they were afraid that Joseph was going to do something bad to them. He's going to take revenge. But instead, Joseph said something really significant. He said this. He said, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And there's a particular two-word phrase in there that is just absolutely, absolutely key in how we deal with those rock situations. And it's the two-word phrase, but God. He didn't say that, I know you guys didn't mean it. You know, he didn't say that. He said, what you intended to harm me. He couldn't change that. But God took that very bad thing that he couldn't change and he changed it into something really good. And the God that we believe in has a long track record of doing just that. The Israelites were trapped between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. But God stopped the army and he opened up the waters so that they could walk right through it. Gideon only had 300 men going up against thousands. But God gave them the victory. Peter and John were in prison. But God miraculously set them free. Time and time again and again, God's people were in a rough situation. But God came through for them, including the day when God was hanging on a cross, dead. And it looked like there was no hope at all. And there was nothing anybody could do to change it. But God rose again and showed that he truly is more powerful than anything. There is always a but God waiting for God's children that allows us to have hope moving forward that whatever situation is taking it away, it's not going to get the best of us in the end. But for some of you, maybe you know somebody who lost so much hope that they're one of the 1.6. And maybe they succeeded. And you might wonder, where's hope for them? People who didn't just outright thumb their nose at God, who didn't say, God, I want nothing to do with you, but individuals for whom life was so overwhelming, the hurt was so big, that it made them really weak. And in a moment of extreme weakness, maybe it got the best of them. Where's the hope in that kind of situation? I see some hope in Genesis 21 with Hagar and Ishmael. Hagar and Ishmael, they, they lived with Abraham and Sarah. There's a long backstory here, but they made life really difficult with alongside Abraham and Sarah. They weren't you know, it's not like it was Hagar's fault or Ishmael's fault. It was Abraham and Sarah. It's just a, just a big mess, a big old soap opera. But eventually it got to the point where Abraham and Sarah, they said to Hagar and Ishmael, you have to leave now. And so they did. And this is what happened after they left 
It said they went on their way and wandered into the desert of Beersheba. And when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. And then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What's the matter, Hagar? Don't be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. And then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And so she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. You talk about a hopeless situation. It was one where they were convinced that they were just going to die. And it was so painful, she couldn't even be by her son while that happened. But what was the case in that hopeless situation? God saw them. God saw the little boy. He saw his tears, just like he has seen yours. Just like he saw the tears of the person that you love. And how did he respond to Hagar and to Ishmael? The same way he promises he will always respond to us in our needs. With a lot of grace. With a lot of mercy. We see that at the cross of Jesus. Where God, without us ever asking, put his son on a cross. And he had mercy on us. And he gave us a love that we, don't not deserve, that we do not deserve. So we could rest our hope in a God who will always give us his best, even when life is getting the best of us. I bet many of you have your own but God stories that you could share, times when you were facing a rock that you could not change, but God. He showed you that he never stops paying attention. He showed you how powerful he is, how loving or merciful he is. You'd be willing to share that story with everybody here. We'd, I think we'd all benefit because we all need to be reminded that God is always active in our lives, even during those unchangeable rock moments. If this, if this isn't your first time here at Cross Life, then you know that every week, either myself or Alan or Pastor Darren will talk about the mission of our church. I said it at the beginning, and I'm going to say it again. We are here to connect people to Jesus and to help believers live a more fulfilling life. <clears throat> again, I want to talk about what, what do we mean when we say fulfillment? Some people may think that fulfillment is a good job or a new car beautiful spouse or healthy kids, but I'm here to tell you that people lose jobs, cars break down, looks fade, and kids can get sick. <clears throat> so the truth is that at one time or another, all of us are going to have those rock problems, things that are real and painful and beyond our control. <clears throat> And we just learned that every 40 seconds, someone is successful in taking their own life, and every 1.6 seconds, there is a suicide attempt. 
So if we, as a church, are serious about our mission, we have to talk about these things because this is the reality of the world and the lives that we are all living in. And in those darkest moments, in the hopelessness, those rock moments, it's easy for us to lose sight of God. But God promises that he will never lose sight of us. Israelites were trapped against the sea, but God, Hagar and Ishmael were dying in the desert, but God, you and I are guaranteed to face storms. If you haven't already, if you're not going through one right now, but God. Jesus was dead on the cross. But God, and that's our hope. Jesus tells us in his own words in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Notice there that Jesus doesn't say, you may have trouble. This is a guarantee from the creator of our universe. In this world, you will have trouble. But God will always give us his best, even when life is getting the best of us. God sees us. He sees our tears. He knows our hearts. Nothing you and I can do can ever change that. His grace and his mercy will not be taken away from us. Amen.